Hello, welcome. This is episode 39 of the Push to Shout podcast. I'm Skip, this is Mike. Hello. And uh, he's in Hawaii. I am. Aloha. Aloha. I'm already talking like an islander. I've actually Have never... you been laid? I... Oh my god, that is so funny! <laughs> I have never heard that joke before. But no, actually, I haven't been laid. I... I have not actually gotten a lay put on me. You're a you're a Hawaii virgin, and uh, I haven't actually replied with aloha yet because I still wow. just keep getting caught off guard by it. So everyone knows you're a tourist. Yeah. Oh my! I don't think you're not be able to tell otherwise. You're not um, passing for a local. Yeah, I am very tan, and uh, yeah, but yeah, I don't really have How- much to say about it. It's nice. It's really nice. That's that's good to know. There's no video games over there in Hawaii. Uh, there aren't. They don't. They've yeah. never heard of them. Uh, but I, I might expose them to it at some point, like a kind of colonization. Thing. That'd be cool. Just like the 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 what do you call them? The evangelists did, in like the 17th century with the native tribes with Christianity. Yeah. But There's... I've been playing basically no video games at all, but just been enjoying the the landscape. I went snorkeling, got up close and personal with fish and some sea turtles. It's really fun. Oh. It's more fun than I was expecting it to be. It's it's great. I was on when I was on vacation a few weeks ago, I went night snorkeling. Did I mention that? No. We went snorkeling, but it was nighttime and we had these underwater flashlights and it was really neat. That sounds cool. Yeah, it is really cool. You should do it if you get the chance. I don't think I'll be able to. I'm actually going back tomorrow. So, and well, they, there's always tonight. I think they close the the activities down there. Wow. In the evening. Um, it's kind of cool though. They just let you take the equipment out and go out as far as they can see you for miles if you want. I never went that far, but it's cool. It's really nice. And the water's yeah. warm and clear. I'm used to like the East Coast sludge water ocean, and this is just this is a shock, shock to the system. Yeah, I've never been out there. Uh, I've only been in the Pacific Ocean once, and it was in like the vicinity of L.A. It was not the most amazing experience in the world. I, I I've been to the Gulf Coast many times, which has some pretty good beaches, but uh, I've heard very good things about Hawaii, and I'd like to go one day. You get a sense of like how the the fish prey on each other by like following them and have wow. to try to avoid being preyed on like you'll start following a fish and then you can kind of see it's getting nervous but because it's uh it's it's so cutthroat out there they don't actually stop nibbling on the it's bits a fishy on the ground. fish world they they just get like slightly more cautious as you follow them and then they, so they start to curve backwards so that their little eyes and the side of their heads can see you and then eventually they'll start distancing themselves. And if you make a sudden movement, they'll dart away. But it's cool. They don't drop everything at the first sign of a threat. When anyway. we went night snorkeling and we had the little flashlights, there were there was a certain kind of fish that would uh, get really attracted to not the flashlight itself, but like its reflection on the surface of the water. Really? And so there were like these little, like they were like six inches long and really skinny. And they would get on the surface where the flashlight was, and they'd just kind of hang around, like, as if they were, like, moths or something. That's and cool. you could, like, reach out your hand and, like, catch them if you wanted to. It was really weird. I don't know I don't know what was up with them. The turtles didn't seem to care that we were around at all. You're not yeah, supposed to pretty cool. approach them or touch them. They're a protected species. But, yeah, they were just, were just chilling. I know a bunch of people 
around and pointing, and they didn't care. They just were slow and dumb and cool. Yeah, we didn't see any turtles when we were snorkeling, but then we went deep sea fishing, and there were a couple times where the turtles would come and they'd surface, and you could see them. But that's it. Yeah, and uh, haven't really been doing much else. I've uh, been rewatching Evangelion. With That's worthy brother. of a rewatch. It is, yeah, it really is. It's uh, not the first time I've rewatched the show, but it is the first time I'm rewatching the rebuild movies. And I didn't give them enough credit. If you oh, okay. like, they they they're basically action movies. They're not the same, but if you can just appreciate them for that, they're kind of cool. Well, I don't watch I don't watch that show for the action. Although it yeah. does have some pretty cool stuff. I mean, the it does giant robots better than any other anime I've ever seen, personally. I guess it's not just the action. The first one, yeah, it's only action that you could possibly, you know, because it's the same. But the second and third ones actually change the story. The second one slightly, and the third one significantly to the point where it doesn't even correlate to anything that happened in the show. So... It's it's like worth watching if you liked it. It's not as good as the show, but all right, if you say so. So what have you been up to? What's new in your world, Skippy? Uh, not a lot of video games. Uh, I've been playing the shit out of Rocket League because it's a really good game. Um, I recently I've been playing some one v one in Rocket League, and I've come to the conclusion that. 1v1 is not a very good way to play that game. It doesn't sound uh, like it would be. Yeah, like my initial thought before I played 1v1 was like, this sounds like a terrible way to play this game. And then I played it, I played a few matches, and I was like, actually, this is pretty awesome. I had some good matches. And then after, like, okay, so once you get good enough at it where it's starting to match you with people who are of roughly equal skill level, like if you're if two, not even good players, but just reasonably you know knowledgeable players who know how to play the game mm. are playing against each other in 1v1 it just becomes who gets the most advantageous luck out of the two players especially at the beginning where you're both charging for the ball it's like who wins that confrontation and every once in a while that'll just lead to a goal and it just it it it, it becomes as much a game of luck as skill and that's not very fun but uh but that's not how I want to play the game anyway. 2v2 and 3v3 is where it's at, for sure. And uh, it's a cool game. I didn't play much of it, but we did play after the podcast last week. We and did. I had a lot of fun with it. I want to play more of it. It's a fun game. I, I think I'll be playing that one for a while. I, I really, really hope... So I'll tie this in with, with another thing that I did in the last week. Uh, Evo was on yep. this weekend. And I didn't get a lot of... I, I watched maybe a couple hours of it total um because i was i was there's another thing that i was doing that i'll talk about later uh that seems fun to watch i i like the fighting game community it's a very entertaining thing like they're the most entertaining from my like that it's the only kind of esport event that i would want to go to because people are just they they're so into it yeah like it's fucking crazy and I hate to fucking say it. I really do hate to say it, but this is true. Uh, the the way that the rivalries are built and and the way that people taunt each other and stuff, it's professional wrestling. It it it's uh, <laughs> it is. Well, not, not. I don't want to say like unilaterally. I shouldn't say like it. This is this blanket statement. Yeah, but the 
the atmosphere and fun of the trash talk and competition. You know, exactly. I guess it's kind of like that. People like purposefully build these rivalries between each other and stuff. And they, and they, the, the thing that made me first draw the comparison and the, the closest comparison to me is the signs of disrespect <laughs> that people do <laughs> where like they taunt each other and, and just do all this crazy shit where the crowd goes fucking insane. That is just, it is just fucking WWE to a T. I'm sorry. It is. I saw, uh, I don't, it wasn't from Evo, but speaking of disrespectful moves, somebody posted a video of Smash 4, um, and Luigi has this stupid little kicking taunt that he does where he just kind of like sheepishly yeah, I've seen that. kicks the floor, but it actually does damage. And if somebody's holding onto the ledge and you time it just right, it'll just spike him down like a meteor. And yeah. killed him instantly, and somebody landed that. It was fucking great. Like the most disrespectful move. He had to be frame perfect on it. Like moments like so, that are good. That's that's the thing about Evo is that uh, of all that I watched about Evo, Super Smash Brothers was the most entertaining. Absolutely, we've talked about this at length. Yes, but the way that the way that players can kind of exp- I guess express themselves in that game. And the crazy shit that they can come up with just on the fly is really, really entertaining in Smash Brothers. And and it, I think it creates – it's perfect for that live aspect of it where you've got the live crowd and everything because the reactions are so visceral because people – they don't know what to expect because once players start pulling out this crazy shit, it, 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 Did it's you get not to catch like the, the other uh, fighting, fighting games. The Plup versus Leffen match. I saw it, yeah. That was yeah. so good. That was insane. It was. Uh, and it was not even... Like, it was on par with a few other matches that I watched. Not necessarily live. I, I looked up some of the highlights and stuff. But they there was some good shit going on on EVO. The um, match itself was great. But, like, the story behind it is just even makes it even better. Um, Leffen had just been dominating prior to EVO. He won the last three majors, first place. He was looking untouchable. And Plup, he's great at the game, but nobody really considers him one of the best players. There's six players that people consider the best. They call them gods. And he's not close to them, really. And he just plays Samus, not a good character, against Fox, against the best player in the game, and fucking upsets him at Evo and knocks him out of the tournament. It was incredible. That yeah. was amazing. Yeah, that was a that was a really good match, and um, and then there was the part that everyone was talking about where, uh, oh fuck, was it? No, this wasn't Super Smash Brothers. This was not Super Smash. This was Street Fighter, I think. Um, did you see the the clip where the guy took a shirt off? I didn't know. Um, I wish I I wish I had his name uh, written down, but I don't. Uh, there was a match, and this guy. He he lost, you know, it was the best, uh, I guess it was, it was just a standard Street Fighter, so, you know, you need two matches to win or whatever. And I think he lost his first match. No, he won. He won his first match, um, but not, like, outright won. Like, it was just, a, it was a fair match. And then, um, and then the, the crowd started, like, cheering for him and stuff, and there was this guy in the front row that I specifically saw who was, like, talking to him, like, I guess he knew him or whatever, and he was, like, pulling at his shirt uh gesturing something and 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 the guy playing 
stood up and, and, and took his shirt off and the crowd goes fucking crazy. And I think this is a thing that the guy's done before. And I'm, uh, God damn it. If anyone's listening to this and they know shit about the fighting game community, I'm sorry because I'm, I'm coming at this from completely ignorant <laughs> perspective, but he takes his shirt off. The crowd goes fucking crazy. Uh, the commentators are, are loving it. And, and, and then the ultimate sign of disrespect, he drapes his shirt around the shoulders of his competitor. <laughs> <laughs> and it's this, it's this Japanese guy, I think. And, and he's sitting there and like, his facial reaction is really like it's minor annoyance. Like that is his facial. That's the best way I can sum it up. Like he doesn't make eye contact with the dude. He's not really like smiling or laughing, but he's also not like really pissed off. He's just kind of annoyed. And the guy sits down and, and then, and then the guy, the Japanese guy right before they start the next, the next round, he takes his shirt off too. And the fucking the fucking crowd is just like so loud and crazy and shit. And then and then the Japanese guy fucking dominates him. Just that's fucking great. destroys him. <laughs> and um and that's the best part about it is that like the guy the the disrespect got paid back. And it, I and I was watching the the YouTube video of it and like all the comments people were like, "Oh, well, you know, he shouldn't have done that." And it's just you know, te- that guy should have gone that. to the officials I and all hate that shit. That and it's shit. Like, like, I'm coming from a completely outside perspective. You, like, I can tell you, like, you're not, you don't get it. You don't get the fun of the fighting game community because, like, it's very clear that, like, these, it's all about that shit. Like, it's all about the, people are saying, like, well, this isn't your basement. This is, like, on stage. This is at a big event and stuff like that. And it's, like, part of the point, part of the appeal is that it still kind of feels like, those 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 basement matches that people had back in the yeah, day. Yeah, but on a huge stage. Yeah. Like, that's one of the things that makes CSGO professional play and I guess MOBA, if MOBA games, if I were interested, their esports kind of sterile and boring. Yeah. They don't have that kind of disrespect, intense the moments. personal relationships yeah, it's and all drama the teams and all that. And rivalries and it's it's fun to just see fucking individual people doing stuff like that and having yeah. real rivalries that you can follow and be interested in. And I uh, I watched that documentary that you mentioned, uh, oh, yeah. the, the Smash Brothers. I didn't watch it all the way through. I think I've got like 40 minutes left or something like that. It's like an eight-part series. Um, it's pretty good, and it's really informative, and uh, it's kind of getting me into it. Like I, 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 I want to keep watching smash stuff it is. Um, and the uh the guys who made it i think it might be one guy but i think it's got to be at least several oh that, it's definitely a team yeah it's a team and one guy i think is the director whoever has been going to the latest tournaments and building like another chapter of the story cool it's cool yeah and yeah that's gonna be like armada's comeback is gonna be one of the the bigger stories in the game yeah my, my- Armada, there was a period where he was just dominant, and then that kind of got dismantled, and he retired for a little bit because he just wasn't dominating the game like he used to, and then he kind of just became one of six gods. But he's back. He's back, baby. I think he did really well he in the tournament. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah. that's the thing. Leffen is not as good as Armada, and he's admitted that himself, but he's just been consistently outplacing Armada 
at every tournament. They're both from Sweden, so they have like a, a pretty intense rivalry. Right. And to get more rivalry, disrespect kind of thing, Leffen, before he was even good, was like just a shitty little troll on the Smashboards forums and would just shitpost constantly. And he wound up getting banned from like all local tournaments there. And that was right. years ago. Now he's one of the best players in the whole world. It's just funny. Yeah, that's a that's a fun community. Um I I uh my only problem with the documentary and this is like I guess this is a minor complaint in the grand scheme of things, but this turned me off so quickly. The fucking commentary, the narration. It's robotic. It's weird. It's just ah It's like it somebody trying to do a narrator voice. I guess except it doesn't sound like a narrator voice. It just sounds like Right. It's somebody's like just, impression of a narrator voice. Yeah, he 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 enunciates each vowel so Oh, he just lays At it on this so thick and, smash tournament. Yes. The competitors. <laughs> the competitors at the Smash Tournament are coming together finally <laughs> east coast to west Nate coast rivalry for the ages oh god that's the only that's my only problem with it it's edited yeah, very that well that is a legitimate problem everything and that god they need a they need a professional voice actor or something because that that is uh oof, it really did you it, follow it really um, distracts ppmd i don't think has a chapter in that um but have are you familiar with ppmd no he's like a guy from north carolina He's one of the six gods, and he won Apex, which was the biggest tournament before Evo, um, the, the biggest one in Smash history at the time. Anyway, he's famous for, like, not going to tournaments. He's got some, like, issues with depression and anxiety, and he just doesn't really go to tournaments except the major, major ones. And he also doesn't really have a, a lively scene in his area, but he'll just, they call him, like, the sage, because he'll just retreat into the mountaintops for six months and not go to a single tournament and he'll come back and he'll just be like the best and nobody can stop him and that was almost the case at evo he got third at evo after not going to a single tournament for six months it's just insane that's awesome yeah the the documentary does such a good job of like giving giving each of these like kind of original players uh, a little personality and um God, it's 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 fun to learn about such like a niche community and and uh, God, I it was it was also a lot of fun watching it live. I, those those matches are just mm. they're just always really entertaining. Uh, you can tell what's going on on a very basic level. You can tell like like if you see a good combo in Smash, it's like okay, very obviously a good combo, and you can tell what's you going on. You can see them getting you juggled s- in the air across the stage yeah you can see who's who's getting dominated if, if there's if there's something crazy happening someone who doesn't really know the intricacies of the game can still detect it and 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 that is just something that like with street no. fighter i just had to watch the health bars basically like i just didn't really know what was going on one of the few exceptions to that with smash um is the laser camping so there were a lot of people in the twitch chat and online complaining about hungry box um, ledge camping as Jigglypuff. He actually doesn't do right. that much. This is the first tournament he's really been doing that hard. It's just the evolution of the meta. It's the only thing Jigglypuff can really do anymore. But that's besides the point. The point is that he would be facing foxes who would just jump in place doing short hops and firing lasers. Yeah. And meanwhile, yeah, he's camping by the edge. It looks like Fox is doing something aggressive, 
Like, he's jumping fast, he's firing a bunch of cool-looking lasers, but actually that's more campy than hiding on the ledge. But nobody really knew that. They were just shitting on Hungrybox the whole tournament, like, you know, saying that he's ruining the game with his camping. And, you know, maybe it's it's not necessarily that fun to watch Jigglypuff camp the ledge, but it's not any more campy than jumping in place and firing lasers. Yeah, I mean, I was watching that, and... Uh, I might have actually been watching that specific match where, oh God, it was Hungry Boss. I can't remember who was playing Fox, but there was a match that, like, he took it down, like, to the timer, which you don't see in Smash a lot. And uh, and it was... It, it, I didn't, from a completely outsider's perspective, where I've only ever played Smash Brothers very, very casually, I didn't feel like either player was being more campy than the other one. Like, it felt like they were both holding back a lot. Um, I don't know. I didn't... I. I, I saw some of the backlash to that, and I just didn't really get it because it seemed like whatever. They're both yeah, using and, strategies to try to win. And it's not for lack of trying. He used to get a lot of shit because in his earlier days, he would just can't. He was a very campy player and would routinely run down the clock. But over time, he got to be a very, very aggressive Jigglypuff, which is a super counterintuitive way to play that character. But he made it work. But Fox just objectively has better frame data than Jigglypuff. And so once the tricks got accounted for by the metagame, he doesn't really have much of a choice left anymore, which is yeah. a shame, but whatever works. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, they're, they're competing for money. They're competing for real shit. So yeah. When yeah. like a single stock is an $11,000 difference, you kind of, you, you don't have time to worry about, uh, yeah, and opinions I, of your style. I guess that play. brings up the, uh, the biggest controversy of, the weekend, which I think, which was, uh, I think it was like the finals, like the final round. Um, they were playing, I guess, Street Fighter, and uh, one person's controller stopped working. Like, I don't think it stopped working completely, but it was, it was definitely malfunctioning. And he paused the game. And according to the rules, you lose the the round if you pause the game, not the whole match, but just that round. And, uh, and it was like this really weird moment where, and I, I, I'm speaking from complete ignorance. I can't say exactly like what the rules were and all that stuff, but like, it was this weird moment where it was like, is his competitor going to give him the round? Uh, what's going on here? Like what, like where does sportsmanship come into this and all that stuff? And, um, I don't know. I, it was, it was really weird. Uh, I, I don't know enough about all the, the rules and stuff to, to know exactly what the what the situation was there. But I, I did I did see the video of it where it was like suddenly they paused and everyone was just like nobody knew what was going on. Everyone was just like, well what what now? What happens now that someone paused the game? Uh, and they had to get like a new set of sticks to work with and like it took a while and it really took the air out of the room and stuff. It was it was weird. Yeah, that's a shame when that happens. There was a pretty famous smash moment not at this tournament but um a, a guy paused because another player had dropped his controller and was just being mm. you know courteous to the guy and then the guy was such a the guy who dropped his controller was such a piece of shit he was losing <laughs> and he demanded that the guy have a stock subtracted per the rules that if you pause, you lose a stock and then the tournament organizer shut him down. And it's, it's famous because this guy's such an asshole, but oh man, pausing is 
you ca- if your controller's not working, you got you have to stop it. So now, what do you do? Just scream? The whole room is screaming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like I think they just went by the book and they gave him the loss because his he paused. And no matter whether his controller stopped working or not, um, it's it's really weird. I don't know. Maybe they'll relook at that stuff because it's like it's not his fault that his fucking stick stopped working. But at the same time, I, I have a race coming up this weekend, and and. If your if your fucking race car stops working, that's your fault. Like that's you you, you lose the race. Sorry, like that's not nobody's gonna fucking stop it just for you or anything. So I guess kind of the same attitude goes into the esports stuff, but it's it's weird. It's different and and it's it's really strange. Well, it's a doggy dog world out there. Yes, it's a doggy dog world, and <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so what I was doing over the weekend instead of watching evo or playing video games for the most part uh in birmingham alabama where i live there was a music festival last weekend and uh it's called sloss fest and uh so there's this there's this abandoned steel factory in the city that is really famous uh kind of notorious like a lot of people like died there when they were working like back in like the 30s and stuff and uh and they like what it's most famous for like nowadays is like they do like a haunted house kind of thing there every year where on Halloween they, they like you can kind of do like almost like a tour through the factory, but there's people like, you know, trying to scare you and shit and it's kind of cool. But, um, they decided to do a, a festival this summer, a music festival. And they had three stages set up, uh, two outdoor stages and one stage in what they called the shed, which is like, this original part of the factory that is, it's not indoors, but it's in this big metal building kind of. And, uh, it's just a really cool venue to, to have like, that's not the first time they've used the, the factory as a place to, to hold like a musical, uh, event or anything, but like a whole festival definitely like has never been done. And, uh, it was actually like really, really neat. It, It lasted two days. They had all sorts of people there. They had like modest mouse and Tyler, the creator and, Whatever, all, all these people, Avid Brothers, um, and it was, I, I was surprised at how much fun it was. It was also like 98 degrees outside, which was not incredibly fun, but uh, yeah, it was cool. I'm not that into like live music and stuff, like I never really go to concerts or anything, but um, there was this one band called uh, St. Paul and the Broken Bones, and they're from Birmingham, but they've kind of gotten big. Like they've been on the Letterman show and I think they opened for like Rolling Stones a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, like their, their kind of roots are in like, I guess gospel music, like church music, like live church music. And so the lead singer is this like soul kind of singer. Like he's this fat white guy, but he sings like a fat black woman, I guess <laughs> you could say. Um, and, they were fucking incredible. Like it's the it's the most insane live show I've ever seen. Like they were just they blew the whole show away. Like the sun was setting behind the stage that they were playing on, and they had the biggest crowd of the entire weekend. What was the name again? Against like uh, Saint Paul and the Broken Bones, and they were they're competing against like the Avid Brothers and Modest Mouse and Tyler the Creator. They still had, drew the biggest crowd and just had this unbelievable show. And and they put so much fucking I guess soul is the best word to use for it into it. And it was, it was awesome. It was really cool. Uh, cool. 
yeah, I, I, I will actually probably go again next year if, if they do it again, which they probably will because I think it was a, a big success. But like, yeah, I've, I've never been like a music festival or anything. So this is their first was... time doing it and it all yeah, went smoothly? Yeah. All, well. It all went fucking smoothly. Like they had like, you know, they had all the food trucks and food tents and beer tents and whatnot. And like none of the lines were too long. And like, it was just, it was just an all around really well done event which is really surprising because birmingham is kind of notorious for not doing things like that well <laughs> um but yeah it was it was cool the fucking the only thing birmingham needs now because they've they're tra- they've been trying to appeal to like the youth demographic like people between the ages of like 20 and 30 um and they've done a lot of stuff to try to bring those people in mostly because like uab is is the big university here and and there's a lot of people like coming in as as it's a it's a it's a hospital university and and so you've got like all these surgeons and stuff coming to uab and they're all you know young people looking for a cool city and uh and they've tried to make it more appealing the only fucking thing they're missing is they the uber is still illegal in birmingham Really? and why yes because the fucking politicians are corrupt as shit and uber probably isn't offering them enough money like i hate to fucking I, I really like I I am I, I don't like to reduce things to such simple terms, but I honestly think that that's pretty much the explanation is that Birmingham's notorious for like having really corrupt politicians and stuff, and not just that, Uber. Not that it's technically related, but do you have you heard of the stuff in France about Uber? Oh my God! Yes, Jesus Christ! Don't even that's get me incredible. started. Incredible! That's so <laughs> fucking weird. France that sucks. Taxi drivers can organized like terrorists they're yeah to... they're rioting in the streets and closing off streets and burning tires and vandalizing uber cars and stuff like that and then the same day the government comes out and says well all right all right all right all right listen we're gonna crack down on uber okay just please stop rioting like fuck you france you suck jesus christ so do you greece don't get me started on this but <laughs> greece sucks too fuck you jesus well so let's you... get you started with stuff with greece <laughs> Um, no, they just, just fucking Europe needs to get their shit together. Well, not Europe in a whole, as a whole. The fucking you heard it here indebted first, folks. Co- Europe countries. Get your shit together. Yes, the, the, the countries that are in debt in Europe need to get their shit together, and people need to stop fucking labeling them as victims rather than just, they're victims of themselves, alright? Fuck. God. Anyway, Birmingham needs to get Uber, because they've got this, like, they've got this, this, like, an industry of, like, all these craft breweries and bars and restaurants and stuff that are opening up that are brand new and 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 doing really well but people can't get to and from them without designated drivers or drunk driving and it's just like really bad because like the taxi company here is like terrible like there's you can't get a taxi here it's just awful and 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 the fact that Uber has not been embraced in Birmingham is is unbelievable uh, this city is so weird. It's just a really weird place to live. But yeah, that's my that's my local. Uh, that's the the Skippy local Birmingham update. Um, all right, what else? What else? Eh, there's nothing really else to talk about. Uh, we can move on to news. Yep. <sighs> uh, I didn't get to sp- play Journey, but it came yeah. out on PS4. Nothing to say. Yep. Yep. It it's a good game. Uh, you should play it. It's good. Oh, did you see uh, the Shenmue 3 video? No, I did not. It's extremely short. It's basically nothing. But uh, it kind of looks 
not quite cell shaded but sort of like it it's kind of hard to describe like kind of looks like a uh, skyward sword in terms of aesthetics sure it has um, kind of like a cartoonish yeah like the i don't i don't really know how to describe it the colors and hard shadows almost like clearly defined edges of shadows i don't yeah. know it, it's still not realistic very early like they're it's almost just 3d models being placed in a scene and lights being moved around and that's it but that's the first like you know look that anybody has at shinmu 3 and that kickstarter did close at something slightly above nine million dollars yeah, and I think Sony's going to kick in a lot of money into that too. So really, on top of the Kickstarter money, I'm pretty sure. I mean, uh, I guess if I don't they think anyone's clear on it. Console exclusive? I don't know. I I I don't think anyone has any like specific information pertaining to this. But you know, that it was at the, it was on the Sony stage when they announced it, the yeah. Kickstarter and all that stuff. And then Sony has been like really vague about their involvement in the thing. Like on on the one hand, they've kind of like been withdrawn and say said like no this is not our kickstarter you know we're not publishing this game but then on the other hand they very clearly have something to do with it so to just, it's it's to conjecture it could be that they wanted to see how much money like the shenmue team might need a certain amount to make the game yeah. they want and then depending on how close they get to that that might determine how heavily sony's involved like if they fell real <laughs> short they might make it a console not because they've already announced it's going to be on pc but they might make it a, a console exclusive to PlayStation, but if they have enough money, then they might just get some support with a timed exclusivity DLC or whatever it is. It could yeah, just that's be a, like a wait and see kind of thing. I can't think of any specific examples right now, but that's a really common Kickstarter tech, like technique. It's it's a common Kickstarter strategy. Uh, like you already have a publisher lined up and everything, and the publisher just needs kind of, I guess, proof almost that 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 uh, people will buy the game and. And an initial investment, you know, by the people (laughs) so that the publisher just doesn't have to shoulder all of that risk. And, uh, and I, I find that very, very likely something like that is going on where it's like Sony had some sort of pre existing agreement where it was like, if you raise this much money, then we'll put in this much money or whatever. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, I think they've actually got a release window, which is like late 2017, I think. Um, which, Eh, I guess sounds about right. Maybe a little bit ambitious for what I would imagine a Shin- Shinmu game to uh, how long that would take to produce. But I, I don't know. I don't know shit. I don't know what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> um, all right. Other news. Uh, real quick. I saw the trailer for Tony Hawk Five right before we started recording this. Is this different from what they showed at E3? It's different footage. Uh, but the game looks the same, which is to say that it looks, it looks not good. <laughs> it looks like, like a PS2 port. Honestly, it really does. It, it actually kind of looks like visuals that you would see on like a tablet game. Yeah, except with with high resolution textures. That's it. Uh, the textures look higher resolution than you would imagine to see on a tablet or a PS2 or something, but. The animations and the lighting and everything are just like total, like literally two generations behind. Um, which, like, I guess doesn't matter that much because that's probably not what they're aiming for. But it's really weird that it looks that bad. Like, it looks kind of strikingly bad. 
Um, yeah, yeah, it really does look terrible. And it looks like it plays like a Tony Hawk game, but on the one hand, like, yay, good for them. But also, I don't know, try to make it a little different. Or stylize you know, like, it if it's not going to yeah, be, you know, if it's not going to look that high fidelity, at least give it a some flair or interesting visuals, not just yeah, bad kind of realistic. Nothing. Uh, and and the and the trailer that they showed like didn't show anything interesting like in the levels and stuff like it was just people grinding on rails and stuff like it like in Tony Hawk like you're supposed to be jumping over helicopters and all that kind of shit and it just it looked really tame uh, it's really bizarre I don't know what they're fucking going for with that shit uh, and and it's really weird too that they would stick with what seems to be the completely original gameplay style when since Tony Hawk was popular like skate was a thing. Like, Skate was a big thing. A lot of people played that game and liked it. I never and played it, but I've seen lots of videos of it with the fucking crazy physics. It was a YouTube sensation, first of all. And I think it was also pretty popular with people who were just generally fans of that kind of genre. But it, it played completely differently from Tony Hawk. Like, you use your, like, right stick to do moves and stuff. And you would think that Tony Hawk would not necessarily, like, copy that design, but would make their design different enough to you know, not feel like you're regressing a generation, but whatever, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, uh, I, I that's weird. It's just that. Yeah. The, it's not all gameplay that made those games great. It was the whole experience. Like there was that haunted house level where definitely it was spooky. And then there's the crazy disco like, place. If, that you're, I if you're someone who played a Tony Hawk game and really liked it, the things you remember about it, gameplay is, you know, just one pillar of many. Like, you've got the soundtrack and the crazy levels and the weird stories and all that stuff. Like, those games were fucking crazy uh, in a weird way. There was they that kind of, one that happens at, like, the, the, the Steel Foundry, I think, in yep. the third one. It was so cool. And th- yeah. these are just outdoor parks. They From what we've seen, at least. Asphalt and brown ramps and... <laughs> Rails. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Um, that's that's weird, and it's gonna be really weird if that's like a sixty dollar game and it looks like fucking garbage. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. But um, so that's the thing. Uh, so this is something I wanted to mention on the podcast. Um, there was a tweet by the creator of uh, what's the walking simulator? Ethan um, yes, vanishing Adrian, of Ethan Carter. Adrian. Schmeilers, Schmeilers. I, I still don't know how to say his name. And I should probably Adrian. Check at some point. Adrian tweeted. Um, let me look at it real quick before I start spouting bullshit. Yeah, um, I think I've seen this before, but yeah, it's, he, it's he, so funny. He, he tweeted a screenshot of like a 4chan or anonymous image board post in which people were. Someone is kind of providing behind the scenes insight into one of the things. Uh, in Fallout 3, I think, or maybe Fallout New Vegas, or both, I guess. Um, and it was kind of like, here's some behind-the-scenes uh, interesting little tidbits of how Bethesda had to work around the constraints of their game engine to make Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas. And not Bethesda for New Vegas, but you know what I mean. Um, so they said, uh, uh, Vertebrates are just pre-made animations, which is not 
not uh at all surprising because like it doesn't even it doesn't even let you near those vehicles like those things are always like kind of in the distance and and that i remember like specifically thinking when i was playing fallout 3 like they are clearly struggling with getting that to be a thing um and then there's like a metro train the presidential metro train which i don't know what that's referring to i don't know if i ever encountered one of those things yes it's um i think it's the the president the president of the enclave has a train that you get on or see at some point well i think you see it pull away actually it's been a while i since doubt you get on the, it because that would probably yeah, be way too much that'd be way too much to expect from bethesda um it is not a vehicle it is to get the train to move they literally m- modeled the train to be the head of an npc not not the and head. they got the hat the train the is a hat the hat worn by the npc and and then the npc runs around underground at extremely high speeds uh to get it to move <laughs> yeah this is the kind of shit that people like people who are like in 2015 if they want to make like a mod for like quake or something this is the kind of shit they do it's not the kind of thing that you would expect a developer in the in the year 2010 plus to be having to do with their modern game engine it, it, it's, it's, it's such a simple task, too. I want this object to move from point A yes. to point B. Like something Shouldn't that you there would be expect some a game way to, to be do able that? to do. It just has to... It's as simple as sliding along a fixed track. Yeah, and then and then this person mentions that the XRE car movement, which I don't know what the XRE car is referring I to. I don't know. But it's handled by invisible explosions that propel the car forward. Oh, like, all these workarounds and shit that just... Like, are you serious? Fallout um, Four will probably fix that. Who knows? Probably. I mean, it looks They've like the same their, engine uh, to me. It looks like the same engine, and it clearly is. It's the creation engine. It's or, a graphically up- upgraded yeah, version. The yeah, the incremental, slightly upgraded version of the engine. But they've got all that customization stuff now. That hopefully they'll have some basic functionality like that. But yeah, I guess. It, it still is just too janky for a AAA like, engine. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. And and like, I think if you look at games like Half Life Two and the and the various games that have been built with that engine, including just mods, you can see where how far a good game engine can go to give people you know long Fallout give 3 your game long came out longevity. four years after half life 2 oh jesus christ and half life 2 that engine was really really good yeah and people praise bethesda for like being really open to mods and stuff like that but like their engine is not they're open to mods yes good for them i i legitimately think that's an awesome thing that not enough developers do but like it's the worst possible engine to be open to, to modding because it's just so constrained. And, and that's why Source has so many good mods. And and Bethesda mods are usually, you know, ponies. Horse with... butthole. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, anyway. Um, I, the, the reason that I brought that up is because I saw on Twitter multiple people uh, – acting like this was a really impressive thing like saying like oh my god look at what bethesda had to do to get their game to be so good and all this stuff and it's like you're, you're looking at it from the wrong angle here they shouldn't have to work around the constraints of their game engine they need to upgrade their game engine they have enough money god knows god so there you go nothing else to say there you have it folks 
There you have it, folks. Right there. Um, all right. I feel like there was something else that I wanted to mention, but I don't have it written down. Well, I'll just say this. And uh, this little Googling I've been do- doing while we've been talking seems to indicate I'm wrong. Uh, I wasn't sure if this was real or I dreamt it, but Fallout 4 getting delayed. And at this point, I'm pretty oh, sure God. it was just a dream. <laughs> I don't know. I had like this weird... <laughs> I had this weird night's sleep where I was just kind of phasing in and out of consciousness and these thoughts would pour in and one the, of them. The best dreams were the ones where you dream about the video game industry. Well, yeah, it wasn't even like an event or a story. It was just like somebody telling me that Fallout 4 was delayed and I said, okay. I don't think it's been delayed. <laughs> what? Um, I don't think it's been delayed, so okay. there's nothing to worry about. Now... <laughs> Maybe it was real, but not Fallout. Was something delayed to 2016? I felt like something that was supposed to come out this year is now coming out next year. Uh, the only thing I can think about is that the Batman game that was really bad when it released on the PC and then they recalled it. Uh, it I think it. I think they're releasing a patch. They've announced that they're releasing a patch, and I think they're calling it an interim patch. And it's only an announcement that they're releasing the patch because I don't think the patch comes until like september or something or maybe even like november like it's 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 really crazy or maybe august i don't know maybe i'm being hyperbolic here but uh it it doesn't really fix all the issues that that game has it just fixes some of them i don't know so i i don't expect that game to be really working until at least 2016 so maybe that was what you're thinking maybe i don't know i'm pretty sure it was just a made-up piece of imagination the Witcher 3 finally got patched, and I haven't played it to test it out yet. I but, still haven't uh, played it at all. It's sitting in my Steam library. Right. I just can't run it. <laughs> but uh, the, the, apparently they've they've made the movement like completely different and, and improved all sorts of stuff, and it seems like people have good things to say about it, so I'm looking forward to That'd be cool, though, trying that out. Because when I play it, it's going to be... You're going to get the best experience. Hugely polished. Yeah. Because like, it's already the kind of game where like if they didn't come out with a patch ever, it would be totally playable and fine. But the fact that they're making it even better is is insane. I, I love that. Um, now, this is not related to video games, but it's something that I don't think uh, I talked about last week that I wanted to. This is Tim and Eric's book. Right, yeah. The Zone Theory book. Tim and Eric, funny guys. They make the Tim and Eric awesome show and bedtime story and other things. And they entered their first uh, foray into the written word with... Tim and Eric's Zone Theory, Seven Easy Steps to Achieve a Perfect Life. And it's basically just a, a parody of Scientology and self-help cults. And it's, it's very well done. They, they go through your seven zones. It's like your family, your health, your money, your poems, you know, the basic parts of a human life. Sure. They tell you how to, how to live, and it's all, it's all great. It's better than I was expecting it to be. I wasn't entirely sure that their style would translate into writing. Yeah, that's my first thought. It's funny. It's they they know how to take that absurd angle that they have and extend it into more than just those little sketches. It'll string you along for quite a while sometimes, and uh, then pull it out from under you. Like there's a whole long section. Just as just an example, where Tim is describing how much he loves his best friend Eric, 
and he just goes on and on about how Eric is his best friend in the world, and he could never hope for a better friend than Eric. And then on the reverse page is Eric talking about his best friend, Josh. And then he just Josh is some random homeless man that he met. And then he lists his best friends in the world. And numbers one through eight are Josh, and Tim is nine. And then there's a few more Josh entries. It's good. It's a good. It's their style Sounds real works dumb. in the book. It is dumb. It's very dumb. <laughs> and um, they even managed to do some of their visual stuff. There are pages that, where the pages on pages of just photoshopped images of Tim and Eric procuring crystals from their eyes and it's cool stuff. There's like a flip book segment where you can flip the pages quickly and you'll see like a little animation. They Great. did a good job with it. They put effort into it. It turned out well. It's not there great, was a, uh, but it's funny. There was an article, I want to say it was on the AV Club, uh, with I think Tim. Uh, one of them is like really into making music videos uh, for some some modern artists. Their most famous one was uh, like the I don't know if you've seen it. <laughs> There's like a bubble butt song with a music video where this woman has a huge butt and she turns into a monster. It's really <laughs> weird. Um, Wait, is this? No, that's not bubbles. No, it's bubble butt. Okay. Bubble butt. Bubble 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 butt. Bubble butt. Bubble 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 butt. Yeah, and uh, I saw it at a bar once, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And then and then later I saw this article, and I was like, "Oh, this explains it completely," um, because either Tim or Eric, I think it's Tim, uh, directed it. And um, there's an article where you know they just kind of interview, and it's not being comedic at all, at all, like at all. He's just totally you know doing this interview straight, and. Uh, it, they're very interesting guys, and 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 there's some really interesting stories that they had when, about creating these music videos. And my favorite was they were in Atlanta, and they were making the Bubble Butt Bubble Butt music video, and they were casting for it. And uh, and they were getting these women in Atlanta who had massive asses uh, to try out for their video. And they found someone who they determined was just perfect. They absolute like that that they no one else would do this woman was perfect for their music video and uh and when it came time to film they found out that she she had been put in jail uh <laughs> for murder <laughs> she uh she apparently injected a woman in the ass uh to make her ass bigger and the substance that she was injecting was something along the lines of concrete and uh, and 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 killed the woman, and and now she's in jail. And so they oh like my they God. so they wrote to the warden or called him up or whatever, and said like, listen, can we get her out of jail for like, you know, just for like a few days as we're filming this thing? And the and the warden's like, no, she's she's being convicted of murder. We we can't get her. We can't get we can't release her from jail. <laughs> it's a good interview. Google. I don't know. Google. I think Tim Heidecker, whatever his last name, Heidecker. Heidecker, yeah. Uh, Google that interview, and uh, I think I'm almost positive it was AV Club. It's really long. It's really detailed. It's really interesting. Um, and and the and the music videos that they did were actually there's some really good ones. Uh, so it's it's actually like they they have some talent. Uh, yeah, they do. Obvious, I've I read one interview with Tim and Eric about Zone Theory, and it's interesting when they're not 
in their comedic personas. Like, yeah, their TV yeah, like, interviews, they're being funny and, and things like that. And when they're on video, they tend to do that. But they're they have some good written interviews where they try to not really explain their comedy, but they do kind of feel they do. That it's not the, all dumb. In the interview that I read, they they straight up Tim explains the comedic intent behind some of his music videos. Like he just straight up just explains the joke. Like there's one where like uh it it, it heavily features children dancing and uh and the children are not very good dancers. And he says like I just find it really funny uh to watch these kids trying to dance and like technically maybe the kids are okay at dancing but they don't have like they don't have any kind of like emotional investment in it. Like they're not like, they don't have like any soul put into the dance. And so there's just like, he's, he's like talking about like the subtle, like difference between the way that kids and adults dance. And like, I don't know, it was, it was actually really fascinating. And there's, there were several other examples where it's just kind of like basically explaining the joke behind, behind why he was (laughs) making, making the video the way he did. Um, It's, 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 it's interesting. It's cool that like, Usually with comedics like that, comedians who like that, uh, they like to stay in character a lot where like every interview is kind of with their really weird, you know, character personality and all that. Um, and, and I, I respect that a lot. I like that a lot. I like it when they just completely play it straight. They just live the, they live the gimmick, but it's also really cool when you have these guys who are willing to break character and, and talk about their, you know, behind the scenes kind of mentality behind everything. Have you heard about to change the subject? Have you heard about Halo Online, the Russian free-to-play Halo Three? I I heard there was a way to play Halo Three there online. Is. I did not know it was Russian. The, yeah, and it just got there's a mod called El Dorito. <laughs> El Dorito. Yes, um, that that lets you play it if you're not from. Moscow. And is it on PC? Uh, yeah. Yes. That's weird. I don't think Halo 3 was officially released on the PC, was it? Was it was not. So that's interesting. And uh, it just got updated, so now you can play it. You can just play Halo 3 on PC. And it's cool. You could do that before, but they just updated it, so there's a lot of people playing it right now, specifically. So if there was ever a time to try it, it'd probably be now. I doubt I could run it, but you probably could. Yeah. I might have to check that out. That's that's really weird. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love when shit like that happens, where it's just like blatantly illegal. Yes, hacking into a game and making. Oh it no, no, awesome. I'm pretty sure it's official. What? Yeah, I, I okay, think so, no, it is an I know, official I know exactly release in Russia. Now. So, so basically, what what Microsoft probably did is they made a version of Halo Three. Yes, that was like a free to play thing yep. that was for foreign audiences they do that with call of duty in um well not microsoft obviously but activision does that with call of duty they have a there's a chinese call of duty and it's like i think it's still basically the counter strike even has that really yeah there's counter strike online and it was on the uh, half-life one engine great yeah because like the call of duty thing is like it's a thing that's being played by a lot of players right now and it's still on like the call of duty 4 engine and uh and it's like features a lot of those maps and stuff but they like they change it in really weird, subtle ways. It's it's actually really fascinating to look at like the differences in design and stuff, like the things that they specifically go in and change for a different audience. Uh, 
it's weird. It's like in the call the in the Chinese Call of Duty, like, you can straight up spawn camp people. Like they still have like spawn zones, which is something that Call of Duty never really had. Uh, I, I don't know. It's bizarre. It's it's crazy. Uh, that stuff's that stuff's fascinating to me. I'm excited to play it when I get back. Yeah, that 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 might be that might be fun. Uh, I played Halo One on the PC not too long ago, and it was kind of a terrible experience, but at the same time, kind of awesome. It was the most fun in like a computer lab with friends when you're not supposed to be playing it at school. That was great. Yeah, that's when I yeah. That's always a good time to play video games. Yes, it's the best. It it's like um. <laughs> What is it? Uh, like, co- I don't know, stealing cookies from a cookie jar that you're not supposed to be eating. It tastes better. <laughs> I think there's a name for that, but it, or like a common metaphor that people use for that that I'm just forgetting right now. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember playing RuneScape in <laughs> at school all the time. Back when RuneScape... So, like, people think of, like, RuneScape Classic as being, like... There's a very specific thing that comes up in people's minds when they think of RuneScape Classic because there's like a there's even like a version version of RuneScape out right now that's called RuneScape Classic and it's from it's RuneScape from when it was like in 2006 and it's really stripped down and everything. But a lot of people don't even realize that there was a RuneScape Classic before RuneScape Classic was classic. And it was it was completely two-dimensional. Uh like almost in a 3D world like oh my god, it was isometric. But like in a, in the most isometric way possible, where it's like nothing is being rendered in 3D, and uh, it was just this really cheap looking, really weird thing that my friend got me into, and that is that is my earliest memory of RuneScape is like this weird 2D. Yeah, God, it was weird. Like it, I was never. I don't even RuneScape, know how to like. But my friend, I remember my friend playing something like that. Like it was not the 3D low poly 3d it was like actually yeah. two-dimensional but superimposed on a 3d world almost yeah that's what runescape was yeah. it was it was interesting man that game was like god i felt like such a fucking smart kid playing that game because uh there were everyone else yeah and everyone else playing it was really stupid and so you'd get on there and like you could buy for low and sell for high like just random items like like wood or something like that just buy a bunch of You're wood for like bopper, God a low of price arbitrage. and then you and then you hop onto another server where the demand is higher and sell it for a little more and make a huge profit and i felt like a fucking genius i felt like such an entrepreneur and i knew i was going places <laughs> <laughs> i still and know i'm going places now. but no i'm going places man i've got this podcast i've got this youtube channel you you don't even know you don't even know I'm, I've, I've got it all figured out <laughs> and then he cries puts himself to sleep <laughs> uh, <laughs> alright uh, unless you've got anything else to add I think that's a good place to end the podcast nope that's it alright um, sorry it was late this week I probably won't upload this until I don't know maybe tomorrow yeah definitely tomorrow because I need to go to fucking bed um, oh yeah so, you're, yeah you're five hours ahead of me so. yeah um, so good night everyone sorry this is late Hope you enjoy it anyway. We'll, we'll probably aloha. do live stuff. Aloha, everybody. <laughs> also <laughs> yes. means goodbye. I'm oh, really yeah, it means hello and goodbye. Whoa. Uh, we'll probably do it live next week or something. I don't know. We'll do it live when we can, but yes. no promises. Thanks for listening. So, Mahalo. Bye, everyone.